Praise the Lord. And that reminds me, and I realize that we are recording now, and so I welcome those who join us by way of radio. But I think about when the spies checked out the promised land and came back, and all of them gave a bad report except Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua of the group were the only ones that were permitted to go into the promised land those 40 years later. And Caleb had been promised a mountain in the area of Hebron. And it's a great passage in Exodus where when they get in there, Caleb says, give me my mountain. I want my mountain. Our text today covers Genesis chapter 21 through Genesis chapter 35. And I will kind of set your mind at ease in a moment as to how we are doing this and preaching through the book of Genesis. The title, as you can see there or in your handout, is Isaac, God is faithful all the time. We know three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We did Abraham last Sunday night, uh, and today we do Isaac, and then we will go and look more at Jacob, and then from there, the rest of the book of Genesis is all about Joseph and going to Egypt and everything that takes place there. But let's pray again, and just for the Lord to speak the truths of this passage to our hearts. Lord Jesus, I, I pray this often, and that is, that which you have impressed upon my heart I pray that, that, I have, that I have read you right, that I have heard you right, and that this would be, be then received, not as my word, but as your word. There's a lot, a lot of spiritual guidance in all of your word. We learn from Abraham. We learn from Isaac. We learn from Jacob. We learn from all of these down through the ages that you have preserved their record. Forgive us of our sins, and I do pray, Jesus, that by this word, somebody will be saved. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Now, when we started Sunday night worship back, and I wanna be very, very quick here because some of you here, you're just, you're just tuning in, if I can use the word, you know, and like, what are, what are we doing here? Lord laid on my heart to preach through the book of Genesis, but not verse by verse, or we would be here 20 years, but the major subject thoughts. And so the first message was one and two on creation. The next one was chapter three through 11 on sin and God's dealing with sin and the flood and the Tower of Babel. And then last Sunday night, we began with Genesis 12 with Abraham, the promise of a nation, the promise again of a savior, the promise of a people and the promise of a land. And now we come to the second of the patriarchs, Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son. And what we will be doing here is a big picture. Uh, I looked up and we've got a pilot in our presence here or other people who fly planes. We are going to be cruising at 36,000 feet over Isaac. I just want you to know that. We're going to be cruising at 36,000 feet. And we are looking back 4,000 years. So what I do is Genesis chapter 21 is where Isaac is born. And the end of chapter 35 is where Isaac has passed away and has been laid to rest by his sons. 
And so I go through, I read it, I study it, and there are things that stand out to me in each phase of Isaac's life, and I pray that it will for you. The first one is Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And I think about that song that we sang so much as a child, and I'm sure it's still, still being sung, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. With Isaac's promise of birth, and I will not try to read all of the scripture, but simply give you the flow of it, the big picture. Under Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, in chapter 12, God calls Abram out, promises that he will be the father of a great nation and that through him, the world will be blessed. And so there's that promise of heir, heirs. Well, by the time we get to chapter 15, there are no children. And Abraham and Sarah are panicking because they are advancing in age. And God has said, you're going to have children more than the stars than you can number. So here is where they depart from God's plan and begin to make their own plans. And whenever we do that, now we're going to get in trouble. When we make our own plans, in the Sunday school class that I'm teaching young adults, we began this morning taking a little detour on how to determine God's will. And so, with the absence of the birth of children, Abram comes up with a plan and tells God, I've got this servant who was born in my house, Eliezer of Damascus, looks like that I am going to have to make him my heir. And God says, no, you won't. And he renewed the promise to him. Now in chapter 16, Sarah comes up with a plan. And those of you who have studied your Bible, you know exactly what's coming next. Sarah has come up with a plan. Now we gotta remember 4,000 years ago, cultural, this was cultural, this was acceptable, uh, all of that. I just wanna remind you, it's not acceptable today, amen? It's not acceptable. So Sarah goes to Abram and says, you know, it doesn't look like we're gonna have any children, so I want you to marry my maidservant, my Egyptian maidservant, and maybe by her we can have this child. And it happened. Well, it went awry because it was not in God's plan, and Sarah was rude and crude to Hagar, even though it was her plan. So Hagar, Flees, but God tells her, God hears her in the desert and says, you go back and you then, you just submit yourself to Sarah. Well, chapter 17 and 18, the promise is renewed and in chapter 21, Isaac is born. Isaac is born. That promised son of Abraham now and Sarah is born. And here we run into, again, a problem with Hagar and Ishmael. Ishmael now is about eight or 10 years old, and it's typical of all of that. He is picking on little brother, Isaac. And Sarah's not gonna have it. So she tells Abraham, you're gonna have to send them away. So Abraham loads them up with food, loads them up with water, sends them away. They run out of water, they are in the desert, their life is in danger and God hears Ishmael crying. 
There's one thread through all of this. No matter what we do, God is faithful, amen, all the time. Abram and Sarah cooked up their own plans to fulfill what they believed was God's will, and it just resulted in all kinds of hard feelings, hardships, tension in the family. And they have run out of water, Hagar and Ishmael, and Hagar goes off to the side. She cannot stand to see what is happening. And the Bible says that God heard the lad crying. That touched my heart. God heard Ishmael crying. And God then told Hagar, you and Ishmael, and he showed them a pond of water. Y'all keep on your journey. They went down nearly toward Egypt. And God told them, I am going to make of Ishmael a great nation also. I am going to bless Ishmael. He did not get into this world according to the plan that I laid out for Abram and Sarah. But God is over all and is faithful. And he said, I am going to bless Ishmael. Now, what's the takeaway here? And that is, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, and this is what touched my heart, and that is, regardless of the circumstances of how a child enters this world, they are precious in the sight of God. They are precious in the sight of God, and God hears the cries of the children all over the world. God is faithful. And so in the story of Isaac, Isaac is born. He's the one that God intended to be born. They have gone and made other plans. There is another child now, and that child is precious in the sight of God. And I think about the ministry of our church and here acknowledging the ministry to our children, an incredible amount of children, un impossible to minister to them on Wednesday nights without that great army of volunteers. And I love seeing our halls here congested with children. Last Wednesday night, I walked past a room where they were in there rehearsing singing. I'm telling you, God heard those children singing. God heard those little children singing. And they come up to us and they hug us and they love us. And they're being told about Jesus. And children, especially today, come from all kinds of circumstances and backgrounds and I'm telling you, they are welcome in the sight of God and they are welcome in this church, amen? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. You say, well, I don't know where you're going with this preacher, but I agree with you. We're gonna follow Isaac's life. And that is, in that process, Ishmael comes into the world. Ishmael is recognized as the father of the Arabs the origin of the Muslims. Mohammed claimed kin with Ishmael, which gave him kin to Abraham, which gave him kin to Adam. And there is credited to Ishmael, just like with Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Ishmael. And yes, in all societies, there are these radical elements that God made of Ishmael a great nation and a great people. 
because all the children are precious in his sight. Well, next comes in chapter 24, at the age of 40, Isaac is getting married. Chapter 24 is headed in my copy of scriptures, a bride for Isaac. I have enlabeled it, marriage is honorable in the sight of God, and over and over I had point number two listed as, and, and I want to go back because hopefully you don't take it as sounding too commercial, but friends, we need to be aware marriage is a serious business, amen? It's a serious, serious business. And so Sarah has passed. Isaac, it is time for him to have a wife. And so in chapter 24, Abraham at this time now, if I got my ages right, and don't, don't, don't start debating these ages. Maybe Abraham is like me. It says that, that Sarah passed at 127 years old and Abraham was 137. Maybe he was like some of us. He just felt like 137. What do you think? Well, I, I got an idea. Abraham can't be riding around on a camel all over the country looking for a wife for Isaac. And so he commissions this Eliezer to secure a wife for her, for him. And he gives him, and this is so important, he gives him two instructions. Do not, do not bring one back here from the Canaanites. Do not, and they are dwelling in the land of Canaan at this point, do not bring a Canaanite back as a wife for my son. Now why is that? Absolutely polar opposite world view. Abraham is committed to Jehovah God. God is giving the promised land to Abraham and his descendants because of the evil of the Canaanites in pagan worship, idol worship, child sacrifice, all kinds of repulsive things. And Abraham knows if you bring a woman back of the Canaanites, it is not going to be a compatible relationship. And compatibility is a very important thing in the marriage relationship. Compatibility. When I do premarital counseling, and quite a few in here have been through it, we discuss the eight most challenging areas of marriage. And we're searching for compatibility. Compatibility. And I am so grateful that so many who come, they have found that person that is, Adam said of Eve, completes me. This person understands me. This person completes me. The second thing that Abraham said, and when you find the person, she must come here. Don't take him there. Now see, these are things we overlook, but I think this is important. And he said, because this is the promised land. This is where God has for us. This is where our generations are to be. And if whoever you find will not come here, then she is not God's will for my, for my son because it is God's will for us to be here. And so, let me say this, and I keep praying. I've prayed for days. I laid away. God, don't let me dig a hole I can't get out of, okay? But I'm not. Marriage is a serious business, and compatibility is very important. 
And I'm not talking about down to every little thing. I'm talking about world views and the state of the heart. World views, the state of the heart, and that sense that this is God's person for me. Now, we say opposites attract. Well, yes, they do. There were never two different people than me and Charlotte. I'm obsessive compulsive. She was attention deficit. I am a pain. She was a delight. She coasted through life and she made me a much better person as a result of it. But let me tell you, she loved the Lord God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And she made one of the best pastor's wife that I have ever seen anywhere. Opposites attract. We're not talking about being different people. That's what makes things so interesting. We are talking about going in totally different directions in the devotion of our life. You say, well, what if I didn't know that when I got married? What's the theme of the sermon? God is faithful. And he has an answer for you. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And that is Jesus Christ, friends. That is Jesus Christ. And that is, if we find ourselves in a difficult situation, the Apostle Paul says that if one of you is a Christian, you be a good influence on the other. Well, I'm telling you, if one is not, the, not a Christian, somebody in that relationship needs to get saved. Amen? If we are having a difficult time, we need Jesus Christ. And so, for Ishmael, God is faithful. And so in marriage, I'm telling you, God is faithful. But you've got to stay with me all the way to the end of this. Because no marriage is perfect. Except mine. Shoot. I'm just glad the Perrys next door couldn't hear us next door, you know. I'm just glad. I couldn't hear them either. Number three, families aren't perfect, okay? Families aren't perfect. This is what we see. Isaac is born. There's this sibling rivalry. Isaac gets married. It's a very compatible, wonderful relationship, but it's not perfect. And as a result of it, we've learned that families are not perfect. And you see the representatives there. Oh, the drama. And this is amazing to me. And these are the heroes of our faith. Because we are imperfect people. And when we do the best that we know to do, God is faithful. Abraham twice tried to pass his wife Sarah off as his sister. Did you know that? Because she was so beautiful in that culture, somebody could knock him off in order to get Sarah. So Pharaoh one time tried to take her into his place, Abimelech another time, and a plague went over all of them. And Abraham tried this twice. Well, guess what? Isaac comes along. They're having to move toward Egypt because of a famine. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Isaac tries to pass his wife, Rebekah, off as his sister. 
Families are not perfect. Sarah is the one that came up with the idea to bring Hagar into the family. And when it didn't go so well, you know what Sarah said to Abraham? My wrong be upon you. It's your fault. It's your fault. Well, we got an unhappy situation here, and it is, it is your fault. Now, we will come to in a moment about Isaac's wife, Rebekah, the birth of twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau, firstborn, was supposed to get the blessings and all of the promises of the family. But you are familiar with the story, and I will hit it more in a moment, and that is that the Bible says that Rebekah loved Jacob and Isaac loved Esau. So Rebekah puts Jacob up to pretending that he is Esau because Isaac is old in years. Have y'all lost all these people in there? Isaac, his dad, is up in years, can't see and can't hear well, and so she disguises Jacob, her favorite, as Esau so he will get the family blessing. When Esau finds out, he vows to kill Jacob. Rebekah goes to Isaac. I mean, goes to Jacob and said, you're going to have to flee because I can't lose both my sons at one time. Esau will never have anything to do with me and then he is going to kill you. And guess what? This was all Rebekah's plan, okay? She said to her son Jacob, you need to flee until your brother forgets what you have done to him. Now, can we take a moment of levity? Guys, it'll help you right now if you'll realize it's never her fault. Amen? <laughs> it's always yours. It's always yours. Sarah said to Abraham, this is your fault. Rebecca says to her son, this is your fault. This is your fault. I'm reminded years ago when women's lib became popular, some good old boy says, I don't understand what the problem is. It's always been a woman's world. Said when you were born, they wanted to know how's the mother doing. When you got married, it, was, it wasn't she a pretty bride. And when you pass away, everybody wants to know how much you left her. It's a woman's world. But listen, remember, families aren't perfect. But God is faithful. The fourth point, which merges over into number three, parenting is an equal opportunity. Opportunity. We ought to learn that favoritism among our children is not good. Not good. Isaac was chosen over Ishmael. They were hard feelings. Jacob was chosen over Esau by Rebekah. Esau was chosen by Isaac over Jacob. Hard, hard feelings. Showing favoritism. And when we get to Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Guess what? 
The Bible says that he loved who? Joseph more than all the others. And it tells us that the brothers hated Joseph and they could not even speak to him civilly. And you know what happened when he showed up out where they were taking care of the flocks. They wanted to kill him, but instead they sold him as a slave. And guess who they sold him to? The Ishmaelites. And they took him to Egypt and he went through all kinds of things. But God is faithful. Out of all of this, and I hope you've been with me, now, this has not been easy. But this is Isaac at 36,000 feet. This is the patriarchs looking through a lens of 4,000 years, okay? The birth of the children brought tension. The marriage started well, but there was a lot of stress, but God is faithful. Families are not perfect, but God is faithful. Favoritism within a family is very hurtful, but God is faithful. And this really touched my heart. The last point is, forgive your family. Are y'all with me? This, I don't know. This has really been difficult. Because these people are not perfect, but God is. And forgive your family. The first thing that touched my heart was when I saw in chapter 25, when Abraham died, it says that Isaac and Ishmael together buried him. That touched my heart. That's all that had gone on between them. They came back together for their father. Then it says that when Isaac died, Jacob and Esau came together and buried their father. And then in the last chapter of the book of Genesis, when Jacob dies, they're all in Egypt. Joseph and all his brothers get together. They take Jacob back to that cave on the plain of Mamre, of Machpelah that Abraham bought from the Hittites to bury his wife Sarah in. Abraham was taken to there. Isaac was taken to there. And they left Egypt and took Jacob to that place, Joseph and all his brothers. Now here is a key verse. Genesis chapter 33, verse 10. Jacob fled for his life from Esau. Esau had vowed to kill him. Jacob goes off, works for his uncle Laban, marries Leah, marries Rachel, and God tells Jacob, it's time for you to go home. Jacob didn't want to because he knew Esau would be waiting for him. It's an incredible drama as Jacob gets closer and closer and closer to Esau. He is terrified. And then they come together face to face. And Esau embraces Jacob, weeps, hugs him, and welcomes him home. Jacob said to Esau, 
in your face I have seen as though I had seen the face of God. Forgiveness. Esau, I see God in you. Y'all just have mercy on me. This is, but this is it. Children, marriage, favoritism, all kinds of things. Family's not easy. Life is not easy. But God is faithful. And if we will allow God, this touches my heart. Isaac and Ishmael, together bearing their father, Esau and Jacob together bearing their father, Joseph and his brothers together burying their father. Forgive your family, and may in your face people see the face of God. We sing a hymn of invitation, and I want you to know, whoever you are, however you got here,